This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in today on Green Talk Radio from GreenLivingIdeas.com. This is Sean Daly, Editor-in-Chief, and today I have with me as my guest, Greg Finley, who is the CEO of Detour Destinations. Greg, welcome to the program. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Well, so our topic today uh, is green travel and uh, eco-travel and eco-tourism. We want to find out what all that means and how uh, Detour Destinations relates to that. And uh, So maybe we can just start a little bit with, uh, t- tell us about the company itself and, and what you guys do. Sure. We're an online adventure travel marketplace, which is a bit of a unique model, but we, uh, we're a place where travelers can buy, uh, plan and buy trips from select pre-screened local travel providers so that the travelers can save money, get a great trip, and know that their money goes directly into the local economy. Okay, because you know it's one of the things about traveling these days. There's almost a sense of guilt, I think, for a lot of people associated with it. In terms of, we we hear a lot about the the airline industry and you know jet fuel burning being one of the worst things for the environment. And so it's it's it almost sounds like an oxymoron to have green uh-huh. travel in a way that anything that involves you know certainly airplanes. But uh, you know within that, I know that there are, are greener ways to do it. And so I think that's part of what we want to find out and have our listeners you know find out about today is. Uh, you know what what some of the options are, and then also I think in terms of the destinations themselves, I'm really curious to hear about. There, there's a lot of I know that there's a lot of popularity of places like the Galapagos Islands, and I mean Ecuador in general, and then uh, other places like Belize. And I'm really personally curious as to why. I have a lot of friends who've been traveling there. I'm curious to hear about why those particular destinations are, uh, you know, considered sort of ecotourism destinations, and is that a good thing to go there? Sure. Yeah, just a quick comment on, you know, travel is a leisure activity and therefore it can seem frivolous and certainly getting in a jet airplane, um, you know, we've got some carbon issues there. But a a couple of things, um, we also kind of have the view that travel can lead to world peace and global understanding of other cultures and therefore is important. And it's also uh, important to remember that 50% of the developing world um, tourism is one of their top three industries and very important to the economy of these countries. So there's some positives as well as some of the negatives. Those are good points. Yeah, those are, those are excellent points. Uh, certainly, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it breeds you know, understanding of that. And in fact, I would say that there's really kind of two classifications of people. There's those who have traveled abroad and those who haven't. And, uh, and I don't mean to say that as a judgment, but just in terms of the awareness that occurs and the understanding that occurs, it sort of opens your eyes in a way that nothing else can really do, uh, just, just to travel outside one's own country. No doubt. One of my first travel experiences as an adult, I traveled as a kid a fair bit, but uh, I actually got hired to go be a rafting guide in Zambia, Africa, which was, wow. at the time was one of the poorest countries in the world. 
and ended up staying for three years over there. And I really had my eyes open to the fact that we have a lot here in the U.S. that we probably don't need. And that although people there had very little uh, in the way of material goods and uh, life expectancy was shorter, et cetera, in a lot of ways they were a lot happier than we were because they just lived every day for every day. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's, it's funny you say that about living every day for every day. That's in some of the cultures that we travel down in Mexico. Sometimes we go to a, a little place called a Bohemian Surfer Village called Sayulita, and I've been there twice with my family. and. You know, it's just the pace of life is just so slow, and that's true of a lot of Mexico, and and we just love it because we just sort of live. You know, it's not about destinations and running around or, you know, create like you know all kinds of trips and excursions and things. It's just about living, but in a in an environment where every, every moment and every day is sort of appreciated more, and uh, it's just more of an an ambiance, uh, just being there. That's uh, very relaxing. So. Yeah, and I think that's a very important perspective for us to get to see is that, you know, all that we have in the stress and the pace and a lot of, uh, a lot of the stress and the pace in our lives here in the U.S. is geared, frankly, towards jobs and making money and working hard and being productive. And, and uh, in a lot of places where they don't have as much, they actually take the time to just sit back and, and uh, enjoy being with their families and enjoy where they are and, and don't stress quite as much. And I think that's a really good perspective that goods – and money don't necessarily bring you happiness. Absolutely true. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, so now tell us about a typical transaction or trip purchase from one of your customers or, and what you offer in regards to that. So you've got somebody who says, okay, I'm, I want to I travel you know, in, in, a, in a green way, whether it's the destination or the, the method of going there. Tell us how you help a person uh, like that. Sure. Well, first of all, what we've done is uh, I personally was a guide for a long time internationally, working in uh, mostly in Africa and Latin America, Cent- Central America, South America, but a little bit in Turkey and other places, and even in Southeast Asia. And over that time, uh, a couple of things, uh, so I don't mean to get too off topic here, but um, really learned that, that the travel industry has changed a lot. In the early days, in particular in adventure travel, it was very important that U.S. companies had guides that would go lead these trips around the world. And uh, because there weren't local guides, there was no local travel scene. So U.S. folks or, or British or, or you know, Western European would, would coordinate and go off, operate these trips. As I was guiding around the world, I realized that the industry has changed, and there are all sorts of very, very good companies around the world who operate great trips. Now, many of them don't know how to reach customers in the USA. And uh, that what they're good at is, you know, you live in Cusco, Peru, and you operate great treks, but you don't have any way to stand out from some of the companies that don't operate great trips and attract customers. So what we've done is, first of all, is go out and find some of these great, super high-quality companies and companies that are interested in, in sustainability, whether um, helping culture or the environment. And so we've partnered with these companies, in essence, to provide their marketing arm in the USA. So if a customer comes to us and they come onto our website and they're looking for a trip, they can know that all of the companies on there are pre-screened. These are quality companies that operate great trips. So that's the first piece. Okay. So you guys are um, go out there doing the research to ensure that everybody that sort of comes under this umbrella of your company that you're offering uh, or representing is, meets a certain level of, I guess, sustainability standards that you've set? Yeah, initially, frankly, initially we started with they had to have some sort of an interest in sustainability, but the, first of all, it was just are they quality and reputable? We're going more and more and more towards the sustainability piece. In fact, we just recently signed a memorandum of understanding with Rainforest Alliance, 
where we are going to work with them. We have promised to support at least 50% green certified hotels and, and travel companies, if available, with a goal of 100%, and that we are encouraging those that we work with who aren't green certified to become green certified and to take pledges. So we're, we're pushing more and more that way. We also have on our website, we have the sustainability, environmental, and social practices of every travel provider that we work with. Okay. So we have a series of questions that we can talk about a little bit later that you might want to ask before you go on a trip. And we, we have had this information on our website, and we're actually now just changing it into the format of answers to all of these questions to simplify the process for customers. Well, that seems like a great place to go next. Why don't, why don't we go over what, what are the, the questions that people should be asking before they purchase a trip like this? Sure. Um, a couple of things that you should ask is uh, talk to the company that you're going to go with and ask some questions such as what is your environmental policy? You know, if they don't have a stated policy, they probably aren't actually doing much. Um, where are your company headquarters? It's very important to know where is the money from your trip ending up? Uh, what percentage of your employees are local citizens? And do you support any projects to benefit the local community? Do you support conservation? And then how do you support that? Is your business green certified? Have you won any eco awards? Are you recommended by or working with any reputable NGOs or conservation groups? And then what specific policies have you implemented to reduce water consumption, conserve energy, or recycle wastes? Um, how do you monitor your practices? And how do you educate visitors about local natural areas? Now, that's a lot of questions to ask, but they're all very, very important to know basically to help avoid greenwashing. There's a, there's a lot of greenwashing, as you know, in yes. uh, using the term sustainability throughout the world. And a lot of travel companies want to say, well, we practice ecotourism or sustainable travel. Right. It's like, what does that mean? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, my, I, the classic on that is my brother went to Mexico and he, he signed up for a day on an uh, ecotourism day. And it turned out they were riding four-wheel drive ATVs and tearing <laughs> up the sand dunes, you know, in the yeah. little piece of the jungle. Yeah. That's not ecotourism, no. obviously. So, so these questions um, are really very important Again, you brought up early on that travel can be seen as somewhat frivolous, and you know we pointed out that there might be some good reasons to want to travel, but it's very important that you make wise travel choices so that you minimize the impact of your travel. Right. Well, I think that's that's important to be. You know, it doesn't make sense, and I certainly would be the last person to, to advocate uh, not traveling. Though, though some will go to that extreme and say, I mean, we we had a submission uh, for the website greenlivingideas.com from somebody who's basically saying that you know we, we don't travel to tr vacation at home, and I was like, well, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of you know. And it's great. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I, I totally agree with you, and you know, I, but I think that it's just with, as with all things, you need to be more conscious about the choices that you're making, and and really appreciate the questions you mentioned because I think that's, that's sort of raising the level of consciousness of, you know, understand that this company, you can, you can hold them to some level of accountability with regards to whether they've thought through these things, their own impact. Um, and you can make choices, and we know, as we all know, our strongest vote is with our dollars. Exactly. You know, so if you make those kind of choices, I mean, hopefully you know, it will have a ripple effect and uh, a tipping point effect at, at some point. So now you mentioned that you guys are dealing with detour destinations. You're, you're dealing with the adventure travel marketplace. Um, can you tell us what is the technical definition of adventure travel versus these other types of travel? Is that roughing it, or you know, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> That's actually a great question because, frankly, it's a, it's a lot like ecotourism where it's kind of however you define it. Mm -hmm. Um, so for us, it's becoming broader and broader. My own personal background was in 
whitewater rafting and trekking and, and backcountry skiing and all these sorts of things, which are all adventure activities. But frankly, as we're coming to define it, it basically means off the beaten path travel or um, outside of, uh, say, easy travel in large cities, you know, going to New York City wouldn't be adventure travel. However, right. you could have adventures in New York. Yes, uh, right. So, right. Because yeah. technically you want to have adventures wherever you go, but it's, it, it conjures the mind, and this is why I wanted to ask, it conjures the mind that sort of, I said roughing it, but I don't mean like camping roughing it. I mean sort of uh, on intentionally going, uh, you put it very well, off the beaten path. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And the other piece that I, the way we use it, because most of our trips are to the developing world. In fact, all of our trips at the moment, we're looking at some trips in Australia and other places, but um, they're to the developing world. And in essence, you need to have a, an adventure mindset when you travel to these places. You can go to wonderful hotels that are green and sustainable and doing the right thing and be extremely comfortable, but you are going to another country, another culture that's maybe not on the same mindset as the U.S. or, or Western Europe. And therefore, we, we kind of stress having an adventure mindset. Things might not happen quite the same way, and that's part of the fun and part of the adventure of taking these trips. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that's just one of those things where, you know, unless you've set – and I think setting expectations is always very important in life in general, and particularly with a trip, that, that if, you, if you're looking for that sort of, you know, four-star hotel, change the towels every day experience in a, in a you know, place where it almost feels in terms of conveniences that you haven't left home, this is probably not the good type of vacation for you. Um, um, but but if you get that, I mean, those are the for me, those have always been the most fun trips that we've taken as a family. Yeah, very definitely. I mean, if if that's really what you want, then I I would almost you know the the four or five star experience where you're not going to really experience the local culture and the local uh, environment. I, I would almost have to say I would suggest you know stay closer to home. You can have that. You can have a nice hotel there. And then you don't have to get in the airplane and, and deal with the issues, the environmental issues of that. No, that sounds a little bit harsh. I don't mean stay home. But uh, no, that's but a, you're going a, to travel. I think that's an excellent suggestion. In fact, uh, <laughs> about twice a year, my wife and I go, and we get away from the kids on an overnight, and we go about 30, like 20 minutes up the road, <laughs> up the highway, and we stay at this wonderful little like small hotel, and, and it's like our local vacation, and we come back the next day. But So that, you know, I think that's a great suggestion. I've been doing that for years. <laughs> Yeah, when when I was guiding raft trips overseas, I would every now and then people would you know say, oh, I want to go on that trip. I hear the whitewater on the Zambezi is fantastic. My answer was always, it is, it's fantastic, but don't go for the whitewater on the Zambezi alone. At least, I mean, sure, go for that, but go because you want to be in Africa, you want to experience another culture. Otherwise, we've got we've got good rivers here in the U.S. And it's not worth going all the way there unless you're really going to explore the culture and, and the differences of these other areas. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and staying home, like you're talking about, that's a great idea just to get away. Yeah. I mean, because getting away is getting away, uh, you know, of any kind. And then if you really want to go for it, you can take an adventure travel vacation like the ones you're talking about. So tell us about some of the popular destinations. You've mentioned a few. What are, what are sort of maybe the top five or top ten, whatever you want to list, uh, top tra you know, adventure travel destinations for people? Well, a couple of them you, you brought up early on. The Galapagos Islands is incredibly popular, um, and for great reason. It is just an amazing area to witness wildlife up close and personal where the wildlife isn't afraid of you. Um, our two main destinations are Peru and Ecuador. And Peru, uh, I think they're really popular for a couple of reasons. One is that they're easy to get to. They're interesting culture, fabulous scenery, uh, history, and... A lot of people are more comfortable traveling in our own hemisphere, or at least in the West, rather than going over to Africa or, or 
Asia right now with some of the issues in the world. And so, and they're also shorter flights, so they're very, very popular. Peru is a fascinating destination. The Inca Trail is uh, one of the biggest draws out there in the adventure travel world, at least for North American travelers. I do want to point out, the Inca Trail has heavy regulations on it, which are a really good thing. It was being damaged heavily by overuse. And they put some really nice regulations in place, but it's made it very difficult for people to get on the Inca Trail unless you plan three to six months in advance. And, and I would actually suggest to people that there are other treks in the area that are actually probably better treks than the Inca Trail that get you off the beaten path a bit more and uh, that you really ought to consider, if you want to go to Peru, you can still go to Machu Picchu and do some of these other treks where you get to experience life in Andean towns, um, see ruins, Inca ruins along the way, and still get to experience Peru. Um, Costa Rica is a huge destination, and it's, it's just got a fabulous ecotourism infrastructure. Uh, Costa Rica is almost becoming, <laughs> in my view, it's becoming pretty tame. It's a really nice first destination for a lot of people outside the U.S., when I say it's a little tame, it's, it's, uh, it has become so popular and so many Americans are down there. It's developing very, very nice resorts and uh, high-dollar, five-star places, which is not the kind of travel necessarily that we promote. But there are still some fantastic, uh, some fantastic natural areas in Costa Rica. The Osa Peninsula is fantastic. Tortuguero uh, is a fantastic destination. Whitewater rafting is a great sport there where you get to be in a jungle and, and either camp or stay in a rustic lodge along the river. So those are some of the great places. You mentioned Belize. Belize is very popular. Part of the reason Belize is popular is it's a short flight from the U.S. It's got uh, great coral and, um, and nice beaches, although the beaches aren't as, aren't as big or as, as wide as in some destinations. But a nice thing about Belize is that English is the national language, so it's easy to get around for people. Yeah. That's, I didn't know that, actually, about Belize. It, you know, it's one of those things, too, where, I mean, and I've heard what you mentioned about going back to Costa Rica, that, you know, it's sort of a, like y- if you weren't in Costa Rica about 10 or 15 years ago, you kind of missed the boat <laughs> as far as, like, getting experiencing anything that was really the native culture. And that, you know, it's it's kind of like it's sad in a way that if a place does become popular, you know, and you, it gets too much attention drawn to it. Hey, here's a great place. Then it can be, you know, and this has to do with the local government, of course, as well. But whether or not they allow themselves to become uh, westernized or Americanized, uh, as seems to have been the case with Costa Rica. Um, yeah. Are there strong? Well, what I was going to ask you is, are there stronger uh, sort of restrictions in place, or, or is there? I don't know. Was Costa Rica sort of a uh, a, an isolated example of that? Are other places really doing more to maintain their cultural color and independence from Western influence and money? Um, to be honest, not really. I don't know of official regulation. It's a little bit like boom towns in the Western United States, where I happen to live. And, um, you know, people want economic growth and they want change and they want the things that, uh, say, people in the U.S. want. And therefore, unfortunately, from our standpoint, probably, there's not a lot of regulation there. A country that's very interesting right now along these lines is Panama, where it is becoming the new Costa Rica. Sort of Costa Rica's been done, so now everyone's moving down, retirement communities are going in. Is it bad? Uh, no, not necessarily. In my view, it's bad only if the local people don't get any gain out of it, Right. if, if the standard of living doesn't improve for them. Uh-huh. A, a place that has fantastic regulation, again, is the Galapagos Islands, where over 90% of the islands are a national park heavily regulated. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, UNESCO has said it's very threatened recently. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I was curious about that. Yeah, so 
it is a threatened place. It's invasive species and overuse are a couple of the big problems there. And um, to Ecuador's credit, they are taking action. They are changing policies on scuba diving and group travel. And frankly, I think the Galapagos National Park, at least from an outsider's point of view, is one of the best-run parks I've ever been in. They, they truly control how many travelers can go where each day and, and where you can go and where you can't go. And I think they do a very nice job. They are underfunded, and so we always suggest that people join some other organizations to, uh, you know, after you go on a trip and you found a place and you really enjoy it, join a couple of the, or support a couple of the local nonprofits that are doing good work down there and, and help fund some of the issues or help help them work on their issues. That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, unless I think we have to almost self-police in a way. I mean, your earlier answer really drives home an important point, which is that some of these places are just going to take whatever money is being handed to them. They can't be expected to necessarily, due to, you know, financial need or, you know, potentially corruption in some places, whatever it might be, they, we, we can't expect them to self-regulate this. So we have to be, res- globally, we have to be responsible travelers who, who tread lightly upon these destinations. Very, very definitely. And, and so a couple of things I just want to bring out. We talked about it, some questions that you might ask in choosing a green trip. A couple of things that we really suggest that when you are going to travel, you are going to get an airplane and fly, really choose destinations carefully. And by that, you have a choice. So, uh, you know, if you want to go to Costa Rica, go to Costa Rica, and, and that is completely fine. But if you want to go to a place that is less developed, be careful that you're not going to have negative impacts with your travel. Um, we suggest, ideally, that you avoid mass tourism, such as cruise ships. Uh, an issue you mentioned, we talked about the Galapagos UNESCO issues, small group size really minimizes the impacts of small group travel. And if you're going into cultures, say, less developed, even tribal areas, small group size is really, really important. And we really stress that. And I, I'm a big fan, of course, I run an adventure travel company, so I have a bias, but really stress if you're going to fly and go on trips, go go explore nature and culture where you are instead of uh, just going to fancy all-inclusive resorts where your only contact with local people is that they served you a, a beverage with an umbrella in it. <laughs> well, what else can our travelers out there do to, to really minimize their impacts while they're in a destination and, and help support the local economy? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So one, when we had a couple of questions to ask, one is um, where are your company headquarters and another was how many of your staff are local? We really stress buy local, and our company is based on this, working with local travel companies so the money from your travel goes into the local economy. So that's one of the first things. And when you're on the trip, buy as much local, buy local produce, buy local goods. Um, and, And this is a way that the travel industry is changing. Frankly, I used to guide for a company, and they would send all American guides down into Chile to do these trips, and we brought a lot of our own food from the U.S., and people would come on the trips and have a wonderful time, but we didn't put anything into the local economy, and the travelers really didn't get an experience at all with local people. So there's the, the local issue where, where you're paying fair local wages and making sure that your money is going into the local economy to make a difference. A couple other things we suggest. Um, learn, learn some, a few, at least a few phrases of the local language and, and try to use them. It's pretty amazing generally how that opens doors and shows people that you're interested and, and willing to learn about them and their culture. Uh, how you dress can be an issue, so read about that either on the Internet or through one of the guidebooks. You know, how, what is appropriate in some places wearing shorts isn't appropriate or, uh, or women need to wear a skirt. And just be mindful of that. Just be respectful in general of 
local people and local customs. Generally speaking, ask before you do anything. And if, if you see that no one else, none of the local people are doing something that you're about to do or wanting to do, it's probably not acceptable. Right. You, common sense. Common sense. Yeah, you know, photographs, be really mindful of taking pictures of people. If you're with a guide, ask the guide in advance what's okay to take pictures of. And, right. and if you're not, ask the people, is it okay if I take your picture? Right, because there are cultures where they believe that taking their picture steals their soul and things like that. I mean, that exactly. still exists today. It, it still does exist. So, you know, those are some of the things that you can really do. And uh, I think it's, it is quite possible. You know, we're Americans, and, and we don't understand, as, as people in other cultures don't always understand us, we don't always understand, and every now and then you'll make a faux pas and you didn't mean to, You'll do something that's unacceptable, but uh, just use common sense. Try your best. Watch how other people are behaving and, and ask a lot of questions and, and ideally read up before you go. Yeah, no, all, all very good advice. People tend to be very, very accommodating and, and um, uh, they'll give you some slack when, when you act in a humble manner and uh, you're, the, you're the humble, respectful traveler as opposed to this sort of the typical image of the brash, sort of brazen uh, American who speaks one language and doesn't even try, which I, I know is a, probably a, a bad negative caricature. Unfortunately, I've seen it. <laughs> but there's, we, we can all change it one, one American at a time. So you have exactly. that power to be yeah, the, very much so. the, the global diplomat. Well, Greg, we're out of time for today. Uh, Greg Finley, uh, the CEO of Detour Destinations, has been my guest. It's been a real pleasure having you on the program. Uh, great information, and we would definitely love to have you back again sometime if you'd be willing. I'd be willing. Thanks so much. I'd love to be back. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.